What is up, everybody? Welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast where I, your host, Luke Armstrong, talk to you guys about video game news stories and highlights from the past week that I found interesting. I meet with you guys each week and I bring you guys stories that I thought were cool and that I want to talk about. So, in this week's episode, if you're looking at how long it is, you can see that it is a big episode, and that's because there were a bunch of stuff that happened last week that I have lots of thoughts on. Of course, the big story from last week was IGN's plagiarism fiasco. So I'm sure some of you, if you are up to date with news gaming media, you've probably already heard the story about the IGN Dead Cells review uh, being plagiarized, but I'll give you all the information on that story if you haven't heard of it, as well as my thoughts and opinions on the whole thing. And then we got Red Dead 2 gameplay last week. Last Thursday, Rockstar released a gameplay trailer that was just part one. They're actually releasing another gameplay trailer in the future that's going to show us even more of the gameplay. So we got about a six and a half minute video showing what Red Dead 2 gameplay is going to look like. So I'll talk to you guys about that. And QuakeCon just happened this past weekend. And during the keynote presentation, they finished it off with gameplay from Doom External, which is the sequel to the Doom 2016 reboot. And I just want to say that gameplay looks fantastic. I had a huge freaking adrenaline rush watching it. And so I'm going to be talking about that as well to finish it off. Uh, I also have just some quick, I don't want to dive too much into the Smash Brothers Direct that happened last week. Um, that video was a little bit longer. And so I'll just kind of pull out the highlights for you Smash fans. I'm really excited for Smash. So I, I, I'm going to share the kind of the cool information that came from the Nintendo Direct of last week. But before we get into all that, of course, let's get the housekeeping stuff out of the way. If this is your first time listening to Games Are Fun, we are a weekly show that talks about video games. It can be news stories like it is this week, but sometimes from time to time I'll share my thoughts and opinions on games or games that I'm playing or I'll rank the top games in a certain genre etc etc so if you like what you hear in this episode make sure you give me a subscribe to whatever you're listening to it on of course you can catch games are fun on google play itunes Castbox, and soundcloud games are fun is a weekly podcast that releases every tuesday at 10 a.m mountain standard time unless otherwise posted so every tuesday you can catch the episode now Whatever you're listening to it on, please make sure you give it a like and, uh, like I mentioned, subscribe because it does go a really long way. The podcast is in its early development stage and it every little bit of support you guys give really does go a long way. So I just wanted to, of course, get that call to action out of the way. Also, I have been, I put up on my Facebook page, which you can go over to facebook.com, games are fun. Uh, all one word or actually I think I changed it it's maybe three separate words now but just look for games are fun on Facebook and you'll be able to find the Facebook page where I post all the updates for the podcast on I uh, posted something recently talking about and this isn't new I've also mentioned it on the podcast in previous episodes that No Man's Sky is uh 
the community game for this month. I've actually scheduled one of two dates. I hope to do one right at the end of August. But I have the first day, August 21st, we're going to be doing a community kind of let's play for No Man's Sky. Got a couple of you on board for that. If that's something you're interested in, make sure you reach out to me so that I can invite you into that party. But essentially, August 21st, um, for majority of the day, I have the whole day off for that. So uh, we're going to be playing No Man's Sky, specifically this next update. So we're going to be focusing on the multiplayer and all the new features that No Man's Sky. I know a lot of you are coming back to No Man's Sky with me for the first time since the update's been released. So I'm excited to check that out with you guys. I think it's going to be a really fun day. And of course, if you're not interested in watching, or sorry, if you're not interested in playing, you can watch the the gameplay. It's going to be streamed on my Mixer account. And so I'll put all the links and all the details for that later this week. Um, so those who are interested, just look out on Facebook. You'll get all the details and all that jazz. And yeah, that's housekeeping. So let's get into the first story of today's episode, the IGN plagiarism case. So a little bit of backstory here. Um, I actually found this story as it was developing, like a lot of other people, um, I didn't come to it right as the the story broke in some of the major news outlets. But basically, IGN has reviews games. That's not anything new. They've been doing that for multiple years now where they review games. And they have a whole bunch of editors and journalists that work at IGN that have really great insight and can articulate into words what they what they think of the games. They criticize them on the things they do bad and praise them for the things they do good. So IGN, you know, has, it's been kind of turned into a meme over the years because uh, there's been controversy over their reviews. So um, take what you will. I personally find IGN very reliable in their reviews system. I think the reviews are pretty fair for the most time. There's been a couple of occasions where I think their reviews do not line up with uh, what the game is actually presenting, but for the most part, uh, they're pretty open-minded and give their thoughts on the game. And of course, a review is an opinion-paced piece of uh, a piece of text. It's giving that person's opinion on the game and so you need to tie that IGN review to whoever's writing that review for it right of course they're representing IGN IGN's responsible for their review but ultimately that is one person's opinion on the game and so you know one person working at IGN might not have the same review as someone else working at IGN so this is me just laying down the foundation of this story. So um, at IGN, you have your different teams. You have, you know, the team that focuses on Xbox, team that focuses on PC, team that focuses on Nintendo, and they at IGN they each have kind of one an editor for each kind of division. So they have an Xbox editor and a Nintendo editor. So. Not only are these people kind of the face for, you know, Nintendo at IGN or the face of Xbox at IGN, they also host uh, the weekly podcasts for each of those platforms each week on IGN. So there's Podcast Unlocked uh, that talks about 
Xbox, and then there's Nintendo Voice Chat, as well as some others. And Philip Mewson is the Nintendo editor at IGN. So every week, I actually listen to the NVC, Nintendo Voice Chat podcast, where he and the panel talk about Nintendo gaming news and stories each week. And he's fairly, he was kind of newer. Uh, He hasn't been around for an entire year. Uh, He was hired in the fall of last year. And how he actually got his foot in the door is he was a YouTuber who created content on YouTube reviewing specifically Nintendo products. Um, A lot of his focus was on Nintendo Switch products as well as the games you could play on Nintendo Switch. And so he... That was basically what he did on his YouTube channel. And so IGM was looking for a new Nintendo editor uh, because their previous one had actually got hired by Nintendo. (coughs) Jeez, excuse me. Um, And so they found Philip on YouTube and really liked his work. He he proven himself as someone who uh, can create quality content and has production skills and uh, writing skills. And so they hired him as the Nintendo editor at IGN. And so I, that's basically when I actually started listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. I actually didn't listen to Nintendo Voice Chat when Jose, the previous Nintendo editor, was the host of the show. So I actually can't compare, but from what I hear, a lot of people weren't super ecstatic about Philip replacing Jose. So he already is kind of on shaky ground, right? The fans aren't the biggest fan of him, but as months went by, he grew on people and he proved to get better as each month went on, right? He was more uh, stable on his thoughts and could just articulate himself a lot better. And so from time to time, he would review games. And yeah, that's basically Philip Mewson in a nutshell. this is all very important for what I'm about to tell you. So I was actually on Reddit, I think it was last Monday, and I saw a post from someone on Reddit. Basically, it was a YouTube video from the YouTube gaming channel called Boomstick Gaming. And so this YouTuber, uh, similar to what Philip did before IGN, he reviews games um, just on his YouTube channel and he did a review for a game called Dead Cells, which is a game that just got released. And so he released it basically the last week of July, uh, his review on Dead Cells. And then last Monday, IGN put up their review on Dead Cells on their website, both in text form as well as on YouTube, where basically just shows gameplay and the reviewer reads their review overlaid uh, with the gameplay playing along alongside it. And so basically this video that was posted on Reddit was titled, IGN uh, copied my Dead Cells review, what do I do? And so I clicked on the video and watched it. And basically what the video, it's by, the video is by Boomstick Gaming, the guy who had done a review for Dead Cells. And he does a bit of an introduction saying that He basically came across IGN's review and thought it sounded a lot really familiar to him. And basically in the video, what he does is he takes his review, um, plays the him reading it out, and then we'll pause it and play an excerpt from Philip Mewson's review uh, from IGN on Dead Cells. 
And so <laughs> it's, uh, I'm watching the video and it is extremely, extremely similar to the point that it really cannot be ignored. Um, it's not just using the same kind of buzzwords and descriptors that are found in a lot of gaming reviews, right? People are going to use the same kinds of descriptions and, like I said, buzzwords to describe a game when they're reviewing it, right? But that wasn't the case with this review. It was very, very similar. So what I'm going to do for you guys is just read a couple uh, excerpts from the video and you can kind of judge for yourself. So, originally Boomstick Gaming had transcribed his uh, review from the YouTube video into the description of the YouTube video so you can actually uh, read. It's a little bit easier than listening to uh, Boomstick's paragraph and then listening to Philip Mewson's paragraph. So I've actually gone uh, just on Google to find uh, a site that posted it. And so on PCGameHaven.com, uh, I found basically them taking certain excerpts from Boomstick Gaming's and Philip Mewson's iView. So here is um, an example from Boomstick's review. So this combat system is fast, fluid, responsive, and one of the most rewarding represents representations of 2D combat of the entire genre. I'm from IGN. Fights are fast, fluid, responsive, and hands down one of the most gratifying Oh, geez, excuse me. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> Most gratifying representations of video game combat I've ever experienced. And again, here's some more. Dead cells only flat falter slightly with some repetition setting in, especially on the early areas and during longer play sessions. That's from Boomstick. And Philip Mewson, Dead Cells does falter slightly with some repetition, but it's only felt in its earlier areas and during extended play sessions. So there's a lot of that's just two excerpts. I mean, the plagiarism's really bad. He takes some aspects of the review and forward says the exact same thing. And then a lot of the review is paraphrased in the sense that he takes some things from the end of sentences and puts it at the beginning of his sentences or uses different adjectives to describe something that kind of makes it a little bit different than Boomsticks. But at the end of the day, the whole entire review is basically the same as Boomsticks. It's been plagiarized. Anyone looking at the Boomstick review and the IGN review, which of course you can no longer, I'm sure it's out there somewhere on the internet, somebody's been able to get it, but IGN has since re removed the review. Um, but if you did watch them, you would easily see that there is... I guess actually, sort of going back on that, you could just go to Boomstick Gaming's video that I mentioned earlier of him posting and like comparing the two. Um, and it's really clear that it's been plagiarized. And so, in response to that, IGN basically the next, that evening that that video went up, um, they basically removed the review on their website, said that it was being investigated and that uh, they would update us when they had. Uh, more information. So the next day, 
IGN released a statement on the Dead Cells review. And so coming from IGN, they stated, We've reviewed the allegations against one of our writers regarding our review of Dead Cells. After taking the time to investigate, we've determined that there was substantial similarities between a review posted weeks earlier and a review that could not be justified and warranted taking down. Though we as a community often share feelings and even certain word choices to describe the game's we love by using similar frames of understanding. This particular situation stepped over the line and is not a reflection of our editorial standards. We apologize to our readers, developer Motion Twin, and most especially the YouTuber known under Boomstick Gaming for failing to uphold those standards. They continue saying, We take our review process seriously. In most cases, reviewers are expected to play a game single player or story campaign to completion at least once, as well as spend additional time capturing gameplay to supply content to the video component of our reviews. Though our Dead Cells reviewer played the game and came away with glowing opinions of it, as did many of our other staff members, the review itself was simply not acceptable. We've parted ways with the writer involved in the review and will be re-reviewing Dead Cells this week. We will work hard, tirelessly. We sorry, we will work tirelessly to ensure that regardless of whether you agree with our reviews, you can have faith that every word is nothing less than the genuine opinions of our critics. Nothing is more important to us than your trust. And that came out on August 7th, 2018. So, that was not really a shock. Um, like I said, for myself, after reviewing that, I was blown away as just an average reader. And I'm sure that the managers at IGN felt the exact same way. And so, there was, you know, he has now discredited every, basically, himself as a game journalist, right? How can we, in the future, take his word when he clearly has plagiarized someone else's review? So it's not a surprise that he was fired. But what's crazy to me is just that it was somebody like the Nintendo editor at IGN. It wasn't some, uh, for back a letter term, I can't even say the figure of speech. For, oh, Christ, let me take a moment here. I need to regain my thoughts here. So <laughs> I, I was surprised because it was, you know, someone like Philip Mewson, who is the face of Nintendo at IGN. He does the Nintendo voice chat podcast. He is on camera a lot. It wasn't someone at IGN that isn't as well known. It was somebody fairly high profile and so it kind of sucked I was really upset when I heard about that because it's like really man and it's just like why would you do that you know there didn't seem to be any justification on why someone would do that so after a couple days he actually released a now take this I, I, he didn't even put this as the title it was he put my response not my apology so basically in the video, which has, again, since been taken down, uh, again, you can find it, I'm sure, somewhere on the internet. He basically says that it was not intentional. And my response to that is, well, how could that not be intentional? Um, the, the structure of it is pretty clear that you took that person's work and applied it as your own. And so, yeah, basically he states that his review process is to gain as much information on the content he's reviewing 
And he says that a lot of other people in the gaming industry does the same. But some people indirectly responded. So actually some people that worked at IGN tweeted out stating that they that is not the way they review games because it can totally uh, sway your your opinion on the game. It's uh, you you could develop a bias by you know getting reading or watching a lot of positive reviews on something. It could make you change what your initial thoughts would be on the game. And so uh, that's not the normal way to review games. You want to come in. Um, from a neutral playing field, you need to be objective. Um, yeah, so uh, people were not happy about that. And then he didn't even really apologize to Boomstick Gaming. He calls them out saying, Boomstick Gaming, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, that's how I made made it in the game industry. Like, you're doing good work there. And it's like, really, man? It sounds so patronizing when you state it that way rather than, you know, apologizing for taking his hard work and applying it as your as as your own, and so uh, it just the whole apology was crappy. And then for the last part, Jason Schreier at uh, Kotaku is basically a pretty well known game journalist who has been following the story and reporting the story, and actually tweeted out that he had found. Uh, someone had sent in that he had plagiarized another review before he worked at IGN. So when he was doing his YouTube channel, he basically uh, reviewed games and he reviewed FIFA 18 for the Nintendo Switch. And someone found that his FIFA 18 review lined up with a FIFA 18 review from Nintendo Magazine. So... Uh, Jason Schreier basically reported that. And so in Philip Mewson's response video, he actually calls Jason Schreier out by name and says, to state that, you know, my FIFA 18 review is plagiarized, that's like crazy. Um, And he actually says, keep looking, Kotaku. Uh, You're not going to find anything else. Uh, I don't plagiarize my reviews. You guys are just wanting clicks for this story and trying to basically dig up stuff that isn't there. And so what did people find? Well, they found a third review, a Metroid Samus Returns review that he had posted that was stolen from another uh, review. Uh, I think it was in Gadget's review. And so basically he responded by removing his response video and that's basically where we're at. Your call caught up on the story. Um, he has not issued uh, a response since then. Um, some people have actually tried to reach out to him in getting uh, his response on the whole thing, but there hasn't really been too much uh, heard about that. So uh, maybe something will happen this week and I can update you guys on this story because I just find it very interesting. It's a big deal, especially in that line of work. You're essentially stealing someone's hard work Um and crediting it as your own, that's, you cannot do that. Um, you need to be, that's just not how, how you do things in that, in that world. And if it's a matter of, you know, you feeling stressed out or 
uh, you can't make the time commitment. You need to be speaking to your manager about that. He did not handle this. I, I still, we don't know why he did what he did, but I'm interested to hear. Uh, there's really no justification for it. Uh, he messed up and he needs to admit to that. Um, so yeah, that's that. That's the IGN story. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I think I got that expression right. Hopefully. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, I'll keep you updated on that story if anything happens. Because uh, like I said, I'm, I'm interested in it. But let's get over that. Um, let's talk about Red Dead 2. So Red Dead 2, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out this October. And we actually got a gameplay look at Red Dead Redemption 2. So last week, Rockstar posted a video highlighting the gameplay, and it's our first look at gameplay. So I'm pulling this from Samit Sarkar and Patrick Gill over at Polygon.com. They kind of broke down the trailer for us, and uh, I'm just going to be reading from this site to kind of give you guys information on what we can see. Of course, go over to YouTube and watch it for yourself. It's a great video. Um... So Red Dead Redemption 2 gameplay footage is finally here with just under three months to go until the game's debut. Uh, they released a lengthy video Thursday to provide an overview of what players will be doing in the game's wide open Wild West world when they step into the boots of outlaw Arthur Morgan. All right, so Morgan is a senior member of the Band of Thieves led by Dutch Vanderlind. And yes, Red Dead Redemption protagonist John Marston is also a member of the gang. So this is actually a prequel story to Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, you do not need to have played Red Dead Redemption 1 to play Red Dead Redemption 2. It's a prequel. I'm sure there's going to be nods to the first game, references to things that happened in the first game, um, or foreshadowing events, but uh, I'm sure you could get away just fine playing Red Dead Redemption 2 for the first time. And so Polygon goes on to say, uh, basically, Mortal Kombat or not, it's up to you. Rockstar's previous trailers for Red Dead Redemption 2 have hinted at this, and the gameplay video explicitly detailed it. Melee combat is a major part of this game. Morgan acts as an enforcer for Dutch's gang, so he occasionally needs to rough people up without killing them. So you actually see a lot of fights go on, um, fist fights as opposed to gunfights. But with that being said, there is uh, still gunplay, of course. Um, Deadeye, the feature that was in Red Dead Redemption 2, which kind of put things down into slow-mo and you could kind of target your enemies and shoot them, uh, is back. We did get to see that it was part of the gameplay. So Deadeye, if you like that from the first game, it's coming back. Um, Polygon continues when the person in question is an officer of the law Morgan can diffuse tensions or antagonize um, and he can get what he wants by mere intimidation rather than violence like firing his gun into the air to threaten someone according to the video narrator it's usually up to the player to decide whether to escalate or de-escalate an interaction sometimes these options are more shall we say final like the option to help or kill a man hanging onto a cliff in the mission Man from Blackwater. So it's kind of cool that they've 
basically put in these kind of choices features in this game. Of course, lots of games have been doing that for years, but to see that that's just an extra element to uh, the game is really, really cool. Uh, especially a game like Red Dead, an open world game, you're already making so many choices for yourself on what to do and where to go. Those little small dishes, dishes, uh, excuse me, decisions of whether to kill somebody or to save them, um, I think can go a long way. Of course, they uh, focused on the horses in the game. So horses are another major component of Red Dead Redemption 2. Rockstar says that Morgan forms a real bond with his steeds. The more time you spend talking, care of your horse, brushing its mane, feeding it, calming it down when it's nervous, the better it will perform as a mount for transportation, even combat. For instance, a broken horse will much less likely toss Morgan off and flee when bullets start flying. Um, there's different breeds of horses in the game, and some are better suited for certain tasks, like workhorses versus race horses. These beasts are more than mounts, too. Morgan doesn't have an infinitely, uh, infinitely large inventory on his person. Instead, he can store items such as supplies, weapons, and animal carcasses by strapping them to his steed or stuffing them in saddlebags. So, again, that's still coming from Polygon. I think that's really, really cool. They did focus that hunting is something that you can do um, in response to that, you know, putting dead carcass animals on the horse's back. You can actually go out and hunt. The environment is amazing. So you got that rugged desert terrain. Um, there's mountain areas. There's places with snow. Um, the whole world looks really, really big and uh, I think you get a good variety of type of environments. So that's really, really cool. Um, another thing is there's some kind of, because you're part of this gang um, and you're an outlaw, you basically are always on the run. And so they basically showed that the gang camp that you set up is kind of like a home base and working camp that everyone... Um, in your gang contributes to uh they showed in the trailer that there's like families and kids a part of this gang and although there kind of shows that although there are outlaws there is more going on uh there's relationships with these gang members they have families as well um so yeah the, the gameplay looks really really awesome um like i said earlier there is a part two um, that is going to kind of focus on the missions that you can do, like robberies and heists. And that's the second gameplay trailer. We can probably expect that to come out relatively soon before uh, the game is released. I'm really excited. Red Dead Redemption 1 was one of my favorite games of all time. And so I'm really, really excited to... I'm probably going to get this day one. I can't wait to stay up all night and play that game. So moving on to the next story, Doom Eternal was announced at E3 2018 at Bethesda's conference, and it is the sequel to Doom 2016 that was released on current-gen consoles. So I am pulling this uh, information from GameSpot. Tamur Hassan uh, at GameSpot kind of broke down everything that we saw from the Doom trailer, and again... Like, like rocks, like Rockstar's Red Dead. I'll just basically point out the highlights from that trailer. So, at QuakeCon 2018 this past weekend, uh, 
Doom External was showing off. We got a cinematic trailer um, as well as some gameplay. And so basically what Doom External looks like is more of what we liked from the first game. So uh, this time it's Hell on Earth. So it's set on Earth, but we still got the same demons coming at us. We still got an awesome arsenal of weapons to kill them with. And um, I think it looks like they've advanced on some of those things that needed work, but keeping that same core mechanic of killing demons the same. So the gameplay video uh, began with Slayer once again putting on his helmet and activating systems. He takes a look at the new blade mounted on his left arm before loading his shotgun again. Before long, he starts staring into a massive world where buildings are crumbling and monsters float around the sky. Seconds later, he's latching onto enemies and grappling around, shooting them to bits up close. So, uh, yeah, the trailer's wicked. He, We really got a real good look at uh, the game. They played a lot more gameplay than I expected um, to kind of really show off just the fast, adrenaline-packed gameplay that it provides. Um, I basically, at the end of the gameplay trailer, there's a moment where he kind of comes up to a door and this uh, huge demon comes out and he actually pulls out this handle and I'm looking at him like, what is that? And then all of a sudden he lights it up and it's this like laser energy sword and then that's when the trailer ends and it just, it gave me a huge rush of adrenaline because you got the heavy metal music going and... Uh, the fast gameplay, bullets are flying, there's demons everywhere, you're shooting all these enemies, and so it just looks like more of what we like from the first one, um, which is good. I doesn't need to be overhauled. Doom got its overhaul with the last game, so just give us a new campaign, give us you know, new guns, new enemies, new environments, and I think that's a sequel for, for this series right now. So I'm looking forward to it. The only thing I was a little disappointed about, though, was that we don't have any idea of a release date. I, th Assuming it's coming out in 2019, and I, I may be wrong, they may have announced that it is coming out in 2019, but uh, it would be cool to kind of hear maybe when it will come out. My guess is fall 2019, but who knows? Things could change. So basically, just go see it for yourself. It's really hard for me to describe gameplay trailers when... There's just, you need to go see it for yourself. So go check it out on YouTube. Uh, it's really fun. Even if you haven't played the first Doom, which I should add, is now available on Xbox Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, their first Doom from 2016 is available to download. So you can actually play it for free now. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you haven't played the first Doom um, and don't know what it's like, go check it out for yourself because it's really worth it. And so moving on to the next topic and the last topic, before we move to question of the week, we got more information on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate because Nintendo Direct was last week and they just gave us a whole bunch of awesome information uh, that we didn't know yet. Uh, some new character reveals um, and some more other little snippets. So Joe Scrabbles from IGN.com reports the the cool announcements that came from that Nintendo Direct. So Super Smash Bros. Ultimate 66th and 67th characters are Simon Belmont from the Castlevania series and Donkey Kong King K. Rule. 
During a Nintendo Direct today, uh, showed Simon attempting to save a beleaguered Luigi who may or may not have been murdered. Fellow Belmont Richter will be an Echo Fighter for Simon. So Echo Fighters in Smash Bros. are basically fighters that are essentially the same. They're almost like reskins, but they do have a little bit different abilities, but not enough for them to receive their own playable character. So uh, because he Richter plays so similar to uh Simon Belmont from Castlevania they just put him as an echo character and King K rule was at the end of the the trailer King K rule of course is from Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong 64 the alligator king um, is going to be a playable character in Super Smash Bros which is sweet uh, especially because you know uh like rare made those games back in the day and of course nintendo owns the rights to donkey kong and diddy kong so they own the rights to king k rule but uh we haven't really seen him in a game for a long time so it's cool to see that he's uh you know coming coming over to smash brothers and then chrome from fire emblem i hope i said that right chrome or chrome from a fire emblem and metroid's dark samus were also announced as echo fighters um so yeah, they highlighted a whole bunch of assist trophies in the game, as well as some more Pokemon uh, that are going to be in there as well. But some other cool features is they talked about basically kind of this new mashup of feature on where you can choose a level for Super Smash Brothers and combine it with another level. So you pick two stages to fight in, and you'll start off as one stage in through the fight it will actually transform into the other stage which is really really cool that's a new feature that's added um, they have an astronomical amount of tracks from all these properties so they have a bunch of songs from all the games that are featured in super smash brothers they actually announced that uh, you can listen to i think it's like 28 hours worth of music or something like that I'm not going to pull up the exact number, but it's just an insane amount of soundtrack music. And you can actually play them on your Nintendo Switch and put your Nintendo Switch on sleep mode and continue listening to them. So I thought that's kind of neat. That's kind of a cool feature. Um, but it just, everything that gets announced with this game just keeps getting cooler and cooler. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, I think, is going to be the best Smash Brothers game ever because it's basically combining everything from all the previous smash brothers and putting it into one game so i have really high expectations for it it's coming out in december i think we might get one more look at it i think they'll announce a couple more things before it's released but i think we've seen a majority of what it has to offer so i'm just pumped to finally get my hands on that because it just it looks so freaking awesome and now let's get to the question of the week but before we get to the question of this week let's hear your guys's response from question of last week so last week i asked you guys what is the best portable console out there and some of you wrote in brian paquin uh wrote into games are fun and said uh psp is the best portable console of all time it's basically ps2 games on the go uh, you could download games before downloading portable games was big. It was ahead of its time. 
I never did it, but some people mod their PSPs to emulate games, and I would have bought a PS Vita if NHL came out on it. Uh, PSP game Shadow NHL 07 gave us that portable GM mode, and Ratchet and Clank games and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. So, yeah, I had a PSP as well, and it definitely changed the game of portable gaming. I think Nintendo is definitely the front runner of best portable games, but sorry, portable game consoles, but there's no doubt that the PSP changed things. So, Brian, you mentioned being able to download games. That was kind of the first time we really saw that because, of course, not until the 360 generation and Nintendo Wii and PS3 did we, were we actually able to go into an online store and download games from it. We had to buy our games retail discs. And while PSP offered the, the UMD discs, um, you could download games uh, onto the PSP, which was really, really cool. Uh, you mentioned some of your favorite games, Brian, from the PSP era. I really liked Grand Theft Auto Liberty City Stories, I believe it was called, which was basically Grand Theft Auto 3. Uh, I don't I, I don't want to say remaster, but like the PSP version of Grand Theft Auto 3, which was really cool. Um, there was a really cool Prince of Persia game on PSP that I really liked playing. Uh, what else was there? I remember I had this Rocky Balboa boxing game on PSP that basically you went through all the fights. You played as Rocky Balboa, of course. And you went through all the fights that are basically from the, the movies and stuff. So uh, you got to fight all the major characters. I really liked that game. I put a lot of hours into it. But yeah, it just it was so advanced for the time. Um, I think my favorite portable gaming console of all time it, it, like it has to be the nintendo switch um of course i got big memories attached to the game boy color big memories attached to the psp but this nintendo switch like i, I can't tell you guys enough if you don't have one you you won't get it until you have one it just it really does change the way you play games I barely play my Nintendo Switch on the TV. I have it usually in handheld mode, but like just the gameplay, the graphics, the quality of the games are amazing. Like, uh, and the fact that you can play them on the go is just incredible. Uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, that game being a game that I can play, you know, on a flight or on a road trip is really, really sweet. Um, there's no doubt that this is the most advanced handheld console we have ever seen and I really don't know how Nintendo's going to be able to top it. Um, it would be cool if Sony tried to get back into the handheld game. PS Vita did not do as good as the PSP. I don't think they will because they're really focusing on virtual reality but who knows maybe Microsoft will take a stab at the portable gaming world but you know Nintendo does really own that space so that's what I think is the best portable gaming console. With that said, let's get to this week's gaming question. What is your favorite video game franchise of all time? So I'm not narrowing it down to a specific game, but I want to know what is your favorite franchise. So for it to be a franchise, I want it to be a series that has multiple games, more than just two games. 
think of Halo, think of Mario, think of Zelda, those types of franchises, Resident Evil, uh, just trying to get your guys' brain juices flowing. What do you think is the best gaming franchise and why do you think that that gaming franchise is the best? I will give my response to that next week and I hope to read some of your guys. Of course, you can send those responses into gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com or you can go over to my Instagram page, gamesarefunpodcast. Send me a DM there. Go over to Facebook, gamesarefunpodcast. Uh, Search for us on Facebook or just comment on this video wherever you're watching it. I'll be able to read those comments as well. So yeah, that's this week's episode. At the beginning of it, I was really wanting to dive into the Red Dead gameplay as well as the Doom gameplay. But I just, as I'm kind of reading, it's like, it's difficult to describe gameplay in in a, a, a text, or sorry, in, in a speech like this, verbally over a podcast so just go over and watch them for yourselves if you are looking for more information on that the big story of course was that IGN article that I want to talk about but next week I will I think I'm going to do uh, a less news-based episode because I know you guys really like that and I want to get back to one of those episodes so we'll hear from you then just so again another reminder that No Man's Sky next update community play is going to be August 21st more information on that will be posted on the Facebook page this week. And of course, it will be streamed on Mixer as well that you can check out. So thanks again, everyone, for joining me on the podcast. And we will see you guys all next week. See you later. Bye.